Hello there, clock holes and clock suckers. It is your voice of choice, the former mayor of hell, the man born with a gift of gab and the ability to duck and jab, the one with his eyes on the prize, and that should be no surprise. I am your certified and bona fide bringer of talk in action and satisfaction, the podcast personality with triviality but not punctuality. I am Paul Casey here, giving you the opening to the next episode of MCU and Me, brought to you today uninterrupted by our newly branded Patreon known as Content Club. Your central hub where you can go sub, it is the Content Club. We now have uh, all your favorite episodes of, all early and uninterrupted episodes of Paul and All, MCU and me. We're going to be doing monthly shows. We're going to be doing bonus shows. We're going to be doing exclusive stuff. And we've restructured the tiers. Uh, really, there's only two now. So it's, it, it's, go throw some dough if you choose to do so over at the content club, still available at patreon.com slash clock shelves. You will not be disappointed if you love our content. And if you love our content, please keep listening to this feed for more MCU and me. Uh, we're going to be getting the, the shows back up and running. We're bringing you these few that we've had behind the paywall for a little while now. We're bringing them to you uninterrupted right here in your podcast feed. We are going to be continuing Agent Carter right now. It is myself and Ellsworth and Lisa. So here we go into that uninterrupted brought to you by Content Club, the newly rebranded Clock Shelves Patreon. As I said, go sub to the Content Club. And for now, go listen to this episode of MCU and me covering Agent Carter. This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. to another episode of MCU and me. It is a bittersweet episode as I, Paul Casey, am joined by two wonderful guests. We're going to wrap up season one of Agent Carter, but before we could do that, I have to welcome back the recurring guests for this season of Agent Carter. Go ahead, folks. Hi, this is Lisa, the real-life Agent Carter. What's up, what's up? It is the Ellsworth Hamilton Tallman. Formerly known as the Electric Tongue, a.k.a. the King of Wishful Thinking, you might know me as Mr. E. Come holler at me. What's up, people? (laughs) I wasn't expecting all of that today. (laughs) Yo, sorry. After yesterday, you know, I'm on a roll, Paul. (laughs) <laughs> For those unaware, uh, if you're a fan of Paul and all, not quite sure when this is going to go out versus when those are going to go out. Um, 
Ellsworth and a friend of mine who's also been on on this podcast and many other things, uh, my friend Zach. They the two of them were on, kind of met each other for the first time and had almost a nickname square off uh, between <laughs> the two of them as to who had more nickname or self given nicknames, I should say. Um, but I am so excited to have you two on here today to discuss, as I said, the ending of season one of Agent Carter, episodes seven and eight, Snafu and Valediction. Um, and I, I mean, we had been saying it sort of throughout this season how there was a lot of slow burns, right? Like everything was a lot of character excuse me character driven not so much on story whatever these two wrapped everything up and it was very like quick paced i thought not quick not too quick but like very like on point we got we got a lot we got to cover let's get this stuff done that's what i thought about these two episodes what did you both think I feel like the previous episodes felt more like TV episodes, and then these last two almost felt like movie uh, level, you know, with the action and the storytelling and, you know, what was going to happen, and um, I really enjoyed, you know, all those elements put together. Um, It reminded me of the Captain America movies, which was really great. Um, I just thought, you know, I I didn't remember the two episodes before I watched them. Like I said, it was so long ago. But rewatching, you know, I forgot how great they were because they were two really, really enjoyable episodes. Yes, they definitely seem more like one-offs you'd find on the DVD or something. They had that, like, more cinematic feel to them. Um, and this first one really gave you a lot of... Uh, a lot of different feels and was like a little roller coaster for you. I enjoyed them like you said i forgot how good they were and then when i was rewatching them i was like oh yeah these were uh amazing episodes and they and they I... re they replayed on some of the points to the, the show drives as some of the reoccurring underlying themes that the show drives they kind of you know i don't want to say drove the point home more as as somewhat exposed it and was more open about it I wonder if it was, uh, well, you know, obviously based off of the the Captain America films and all of that, like, you know, we, we obviously know they are. So it makes sense to a certain point that it would be more sort of cinematic and, and grandiose. But I wonder if it was sort of done this way to give like an exclamation point at the end of this because... You know, as we as we know, or, you know, maybe this might be a bit of a spoiler for some people. Season two of Agent Carter um, wasn't necessarily as well received. And I don't think season one was was too well received either, because although it had a lot more with the film side in the sense that Kevin Feige is a is an official producer and, and the Russo brothers worked on it in the in the beginning and. And the, the two guys who wrote the Captain America films and, and later wrote the, the Avengers films and things like that, like they, you know, were very early on in the development and things for whatever reason, 
it wasn't maybe because it was a period piece, maybe because it was uh, maybe not as large a cast. I don't know, but I don't think that that Agent Carter was or maybe it was because of mid-season replacement. But I don't think it was as well received as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which itself wasn't that well received either, because there's still this stigma even to this day of, oh, those shows don't really matter as opposed to. Um, and again, we'll get to these eventually, as opposed to a WandaVision, a Loki, a Falcon and Winter Soldier, all of those. The 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 fans of the films now are more inclined to watch those shows than they are even now to go back and watch these shows because there's still a stigma about these that they don't really matter. So I wonder if these two episodes in particular were sort of meant and, and done in such a way to kind of put that cinematic quality on it to say, hey, look, we can do as, you know, with a TV budget, we can do amazing things. Give us a chance. Watch our show sort of deal again back in in uh, what when were these from uh, 2015. So, you know, not too long ago, five, six years ago still. But I wonder if it was if it was that sort of mindset when it came to to doing these well you know personally i think it's very frustrating that you know these shows weren't well received because that's why you know obviously agent carter wasn't going to get the second season and then it like it just did i forgot what happened i feel like they weren't going to get it but then they um changed the decision and then of course season two wasn't really that great and so it's frustrating now seeing that you know WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier are like the two highest rated shows I think most watched or streamed shows in a certain period they they got some type of title and shows like you know Agent Carter that I think were just as good you know as WandaVision or or Falcon and Winter Soldier was just completely um ignored and I don't know if it was lack of advertisement if people weren't as into marvel as they are now after endgame i mean i'm really not sure you also don't have as much even though if you know her you really don't have as much exposure as you do to those characters um like wanda vision that's you no, know, there is there is something to that because you know you had you you've had more time to build with these characters. I mean, so you can fill something for them. Whereas, yes, you you know who Agent Carter is, but you know she wasn't part of something that we know so much about her, or we've seen enough of her that we're willing. You know, the general audience is willing to give it a shot, and that's just you know what it is. Do I necessarily agree with it? I'm not saying I agree with it. I just see that's what it being as because, you know, I nec- I watched all these shows and, you know, I can definitely say that, you know, I connect a lot faster with those other characters because, you know, I, I already know some what of a story with them. I've been on a journey with them. I've had some experiences with them. So... And that's that very much plays into it with regards to Agent Carter and Agents of Shield, because even at that point, that was pre 
or or no, it was right after Iron Man three. So like Coulson had died and whatever, but everybody looked and went, oh, we don't care about Coulson to have his own show. And who are these other people? We don't right. care about them. You know what I mean? And and I know uh, our friend Jake in particular. Many times I've said to him, dude, you should watch like independent of being within the MCU. These are good shows. And and his point is. There's been so much said about how they don't connect, whereas now you're hearing and it it is because it's all Disney plus and and now the uh, we did a bonus episode on it at one point for the show, how the TV division of Marvel and the film division of Marvel were previously two separate things. And allegedly Kevin Feige didn't like the fact that these TV programs existed and blah, blah, blah. Again, we did an episode. You could go listen to that. Um, But you know, it, the there wasn't as much crossover with regards to anything that happened on the TV series wasn't going to influence the films. The films influenced the TV series, but the TV series didn't necessarily influence the films. But now with your WandaVision, your Falcon and Winter Soldier, your Loki, your, uh, you know, all these other things that they have in development and that they're doing. They'll these... play a part of the movies to come. Exactly. And, and as much as I, I understand that, I still don't agree with it because that shouldn't be the only reason I think that you're watching a show, especially if if it is oh, no. good. This show was amazing. And don't think that this didn't draw some emotion. The When she gives that cylinder up and she gives that little speech, oh, come on. That's all. Absolutely. That's real. That's... Every one of them feels that. They all feel that shit because that's real. Because this shit is, and it connects. And again, that ties that right there ties it back into the universe. And as much as they don't want these shows to, it does. And again, you know what happens. So because you know what happens, you feel that moment in this episode. And I think you, Ellsworth, have an incredibly interesting perspective on that because you didn't, and we talked about this with uh, on Agents of Shield, Agents, yeah, Agents of Shield, um, and then we, I believe, we've uh, touched on it briefly here on the Agent Carter discussion. You never really watched any of these shows until pretty much long after they were all done or, or agents of shield was, was finishing up. I think it was maybe airing the last season or something, but partly because of this podcast and, and our mutual friend, Kevin, it sort of gave you almost a reason to get into these, but you do have that perspective of you were just, you know, the film side guy never necessarily got into the TV series, but since having gone back and watched them, I think you have that incredibly unique perspective to say to, to people out there, Hey, listen, these are good shows and they are worth watching. You know, because I was one of those people who tried and was like, who the fuck is this Phil Coulson dude, this show that I'm going to try to watch. There's no way that this is going to work for me. 100%. I was one of those people. And I, and I can tell anybody out there who has that mindset to lose it, go back and watch it. It is amazing. And I apologize to that character and that actor because let me yeah, say. You better apologize to your future wife too. Because <laughs> I know that's a really good friend of hers. But let me just <laughs> say hey, that is a really good show. And that character actually, you know, it's a shame that they won't incorporate that more into the MCU because there's so much much to be said about these characters including this here with carter because it really does play such a part 
in that universe and fans like us that have given it the shot and do say, you know what, I don't care what you say, you can be the president or whatever you want, Mr. Feige. I'm going to say that because there's references and at the time they made the references, it's part of the universe. That's what gives it more emotion. It's because, again, you have, you know, some things to connect on, like, you know, knowing who Howard Stark is, knowing, you know, who Peggy Carter is, knowing some of her past, knowing some of what happens, these things, you know, it helps. And again, like I said, that speech alone in this episode is, you know, if you didn't know about Captain America, if you didn't know about their relationship, if you knew nothing about that and you have had no investment in it previously that scene would not do what it does well even we talked about it in the previous one the fact that the the uh, like Dottie is part of the basically the black widow program you know and and in the in the end credits scene we see the guy from the captain america movies and that sort of plays into the agents of shield tv series and everything and and i think they they do such a good job of interconnecting these just because one doesn't necessarily influence the other doesn't mean that they're not worth experiencing. No, 100. And you know, so Lisa, when watching this particular episode, because we've talked about this before, this is, you know, this in, in this episode, I know we haven't, like, jumped into it but because we're talking about it and i have a question i figured you watching this you probably like that scene you know she's being interrogated in this that and the third by them and when you know she they're giving her the benefit of the doubt she openly tells them you know you wouldn't notice me unless i have your coffee whatever this that and the third you know i thought about that we've talked about that that's one of those underlying things and themes that's been part of the show that i feel like i was saying they kind of just openly finally she like smacks everybody in the face with it um and when re-watching it i thought about you because i know that's something that we've discussed and you you know you feel strongly about and you know i like how they portrayed that scene as far as her and you know them kind of realizing you know, you see it in their faces that they kind of realize they might not trust her, but they realize that, oh, that's how she got away with it. She's right. We don't notice her. Right. And I think the transition, you know, thinking about from, you know, Peggy's time period to to now in the MCU, how, you know, I would argue that the female characters, many of the female characters are stronger than the male characters. You know, you have Wanda, you have. Uh, Carol, and so, well, you know, I, I feel like that's in the superhero world at least. Um, you know, that's I mean, no Helena way. was one of the most powerful villains there was. Right. I mean, so, yeah, I love her. Without a doubt, let's 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 just be. I mean, I mean, throughout history, females are usually perceived to be stronger creatures because they usually are. I mean. Men just don't like to admit that female are, are all around stronger creatures. Right. Uh, and, you know, like you said, I think that speech was very good to, to point out, like, you know, 
that's exactly why they didn't notice what she was doing. She was very intelligent. She didn't even really have to sneak around because they weren't paying attention. Um, she she used she used what the standard norm of the time was to her advantage. One hundred was that guys the guys didn't look at girls. One hundred percent. You can't like that. Go ahead. Say whatever. What what you got? Me? Oh, I I do want to say one thing. I I did a little bit of research per the discussion last episode. What I found was that in universe. Uh, the bullet holes, I believe, Lisa, you questioned about that um, in the previous discussion we had. And, and was there a, an in-universe um, uh, like explanation for that or did we ever see that? From what I remember finding, I didn't keep the page open, but it was basically that it was assumed that she got them in a battle somewhere, but they never really gave like it was just a thing to have as the so that a tell basically right so that they would there would be something where oh she has this that we see on the 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 blonde woman in the photograph and then Sousa could see it on her later so I did remember to look it up um from our discussion last time but yes I just wanted to to make that point just because we were talking about um how you know she got away with all of this, and and it was it came down to something as simple as that that you know they started to to unravel this whole. And what better her. thing than give her that that you know they could have given her a beauty mark, but uh, that's just a little too cliche. Like oh, a pretty girl with a beauty mark. Let's give her a little rugged edge because she's the agent and she's been, you know, in the trenches with the guys and the second and the third. So let's give her some, it's you just, know, war ones. It's just so amazing to me that almost every episode in this season, she there was some reason why they should have treated her better and it was a reason that all of them saw even something as simple in the like in the previous discussion where the the howling commandos answered to her and gave her the respect and and whatever and even that wasn't enough for the guys that she interacted with every day to give her the like even even during the confession well right after the confession scene that you're that you're talking about Ellsworth the three guys are standing around and oh yeah um jack chad michael murray's character i remembered his name we're at the end and i finally remembered his name <laughs> um, <laughs> he's uh he he makes a comment to to Souza about how the only reason in his mind the only reason that that Souza could be uh you know could believe her is because he has a crush on her as opposed to maybe she's actually you know telling the truth and knows what she's talking about the only reason that that Souza could possibly believe her is because he has a crush on her and it's like dude you more than anybody because again he was with her during the whole howling commandos thing and and there's been so many so many times over these episodes where to him she has proven or it's been shown to him she's worthy of being a full-fledged agent he just cannot get over that barrier of yeah but she's a woman right I mean, I guess that's just, you know, again, they're driving home that that's his, uh, uh, law. I mean, that's his thing. I mean, I think it's just, it comes down to an ego thing, right? So 
you know, one of the reasons why Steve Rogers had no problem following her and never questions her authority or anything like that is because he has a great deal of humility, which is something that, you know, I love about Steve very, very much is his humility. And, you know, these men that she's working around have really big egos, you know, same thing with Howard Stark and, and off topic. But one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of Tony is that they, they all have very, very big egos and that prevents them from, you know, seeing the worth of not only women, but other people in their lives because they're so focused on themselves and, and, and going forward, whether professionally, you know, with who they are, not caring about anybody else. Uh, I relate so much to that. Um, so, uh, but you're right. Um, and, you know, they do, they all have a certain way they are, even, you know, after she says all that, they still, like you said, they still have a certain way they are about not believing her or just accepting, you know, and this is, again, this isn't the first time that we've seen her say something and then deliver the evidence of it to be true, but they repeat, it's like they repeatedly just don't want to believe it ever because once again, she's a female. Well, they don't want to let go of, you know, the possibility that they're right because if they they were wrong, wrong. That's, you know, that's a hit to the ego if they say, oh, you're right, I was wrong and, and everything oh, else. So. Well, that's, that's, it's, I mean, I don't even know if it's necessarily, I mean, I guess wrong, but that's, people have that in general, men and women, whenever somebody, whether it's uh, somebody shows you something or, or whenever there's, there's overwhelming evidence, you do you use the word wrong. I would say they don't want to be perceived as, as weak in, in certain ways, right? Like if you, if you have to admit that you need help for something, or if somebody can do something that you can't, or somebody did something that you can't or whatever, you have the same reaction, right? Where you're just like, Oh yeah. Oh, they got lucky. Oh, this, whatever. And it's, it's like wrong in this sense. Yes. But I think it's wrong is, is, uh, overall seen as the as the weakness in it right you know what i mean some that's it, that's being thing. weak yeah and that, and that truly is being weak when you're when you're beyond that you're strong you know better than that man shoot i can tell you people who do things way better than me homie and if we doing something and they're around and they do it better than me best believe i'm gonna get the hell yeah you can do it better than me let's get somebody who can do it better oh. than me shit I, I you know very much I mean? agree because you you want the best and that, so like I don't you know mean, people that people don't have mean said, I that don't mean I ain't the best to ever do it you know what I mean I'm the best to ever do whatever I'm doing and at that point what, what I'm doing is putting the right person in the right position to do what needs to get done absolutely I you know I, you guys know that not to get too like personal whatever but like people you know people ask you know over the last few years especially with regards to like covid and and i had some personal stuff go on and whatever and you know you see people or you see like little like surveys online and and things like that and it's like what's the 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 strongest thing or the weakest thing or whatever and like my my consistent answer is i'm strong enough to know when i'm not strong enough I mean that's that's real, bro. 
you know? And I think that's, but I think that's sort of what this is. I, I understand Lisa used the word wrong. I, like I said, I would, I would piggyback off of that and say, you know, weak as like a, like a secondary word for that same situation. Right. I mean, it all comes hey, down man, to they still W words, man. However you want to dice it, they weak, they wrong. It all it's comes... funny because they're W words, but they give these guys the big L. It all Ooh. comes down to ego. That's what it is. It's all ego, you know? Yes, absolutely. But in uh, the end, in the end of this episode, we see, you know, we see some crazy stuff. Anyways, continue. I do want to. I do want to go back for for a moment before we sort of get into more about these two particular episodes. So we were talking about how these um, the the TV series, uh, you know, do they they do matter and they do uh, you know play play into the larger canon of the universe in the sense. And I've I've said it many times. I use the phrase all the time. These pockets of the universe, the TV pocket. There's the the Agents of Shield pocket, the Agent Carter pocket, things like that. Now, Lisa, I want to ask you in particular because you've watched Agent Carter. Obviously, being a fan, you are the real life Peggy Carter. <laughs> Hearing whether it's Ellsworth and I, or or some of our other like Losty friends, things like that. People have been getting into. Agent, you know, especially with everything being shut down and, and so on, people were looking for things to watch and, you know, all this stuff. Does any of this that we've sort of discussed over these last few episodes make you want to perhaps give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a chance? Because if I'm not mistaken, you've never watched that show. Is that correct? Yeah, I've never watched it. Um, it, it does give me some interest. You know, I, I do want to watch it, especially because, you know, I know, of course, Peggy starts Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else. Um, I do want to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Fair enough. I just, because, like I said, I know, like, I, you know, I used Ellsworth before as the whole, you know, example of somebody who was like, eh, you know, what are these shows? I don't want to, whatever. And... Just the fact that you have the perspective of, no, these shows matter because Agent Carter was great. And I, I just the whole thing of, but you have, you know, you haven't necessarily gotten the chance to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I was curious if if these discussions have, have whether they've changed your mind or, or pushed you a little more towards that. that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so, Snafu. The episode Snafu. Um, one of the biggest takeaways I had from this, and it's been something that I've kind of been curious of over these last few episodes and, and there was something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we, we sort of touched on it in one of the first, uh, discussions for the, for this season was the fact that something that they did, I can't remember what it was, but something that they did was very much sort of of the time with regards to, um, films and TV, well not TV because it was the 40s but like films and things that were from the the 40s where there was you know a lot of the gumshoe detectives and and all of that and all i keep thinking over these last few episodes is this guy this this doctor this russian guy he talks in a soft voice and twists his ring and that's enough to hypnotize these people 
And if we go with that thought of, well, it was the forties, every, you know, you look at the, at the films and like I said, comics and things like that from the forties, something like that was enough. We didn't need these, these larger than life things and reasons and explanations and whatever. It just seems in the, the wider universe that we know of the MCU that for this, this man, Who's it, 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 he's just a man. He doesn't have, there's no like superhuman anything or, you know, alien anything, but for him to be able to literally twist a ring and talk in a soft voice. And that's what makes him be able to hypnotize people. I was like watching this go like that. It almost, it took me out of it actually to a certain point because I thought it was too little. That's a good point. Um, I didn't really think of it that way, but, you know, you're right in that it kind of takes you out of that, you know, superhero element. I mean, we only saw him do it to two different people, right? I think we saw it, we saw it happen to the, the chief and then um, that assistant guy that was there. I forgot his name. Um, we I'm, did it in the flashback, too, with the uh, – there was like a uh, – they couldn't uh, – uh, they, they, the soldier when they're cutting his leg off or whatever. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, I was playing chess with my mommy outside. It was a beautiful day. His I'm mother wondering... looking like an old weathered milk tour and shit. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I'm curious uh, if you know maybe he was given something to enhance his his craft or however you want to call it. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, he was working obviously with women from the red room he and he was working you know aside all these things and they were doing weird shit and in, in, you know in russia and germany during world war ii and doing tests and experiments on people so i don't think it's too out there to think that maybe he was given something to either give him this ability or enhance it um right they maybe... were all like magic and shit and artifacts and weird yeah i mean yeah, I mean, maybe also, um, you know, he knows how to target um, susceptible people, you know, who are going through whatever emotional, um, you know, whatever emotional situation. Like, I'm curious if you tried that with Peggy, if that would work, because she's obviously very strong willed. I'm curious if he can only do it with certain individuals. Right, because like he knows exactly what's going on, like. You know, with the soldier, you know, he was able to, you know, tap into the day before. And then with the with the chief, you know, he overheard the phone call. So. Yeah. And then he's happened to the other guys in security about, you know, being at whatever rank that he was. Right. Like, so he had that information to kind of tap into, like you said, that emotional stem that just kind of you know makes people a little you know they you know a little more susceptible when they're a little more emotional their guards down exactly you know and that little sound is soothing i guess and his voice is you know he knows the right words to say i mean <laughs> if he's been doing it as long as he's been doing it like you said they were into kind of stuff who knows what where he got it from or how it started and this that so See, that I'm perfectly fine with, 
like the the if there was something more to it. I just wish that would have been explored because man, on the surface, you're a lost fan. You should be used to shit not being explored, bro. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's fine. But on the surface, <laughs> it's just twisting a ring and talking softly. Even a even a even like a a a, a boardwalk whatever like hypnotist has like a clock like a like a pocket watch that they're moving in front of you and like you know what i mean like they're at least he's that's literally all a twisting gimmick. a ring oh, that's all a gimmick man this guy's got the he's the real deal man you just gotta twist his ring uh, I maybe just, it's I the just... sound maybe it's the sound that it's making maybe it's the ring maybe it has like special powers or something again explain that to me though <laughs> Have a little imagination, Paul. Man, I can't. can't No, but see, this is the thing. No, no, no. But see, this is the thing. And this is, I guess, to go along with with what Ellsworth said, you know, the whole Lost thing. And I used to say this on Lost with friends all the time. You know, Lost was a show where we accept the fact that a smoke monster exists. So then we start picking apart the, the minutia of the show, right? So this is a universe where people travel from one side of the of the galaxy to the other. Portals open up. There's all these cra- all this crazy technology or whatever. And I am worried about why can this man twist a ring and talk softly and hypnotize you? Oh, yeah, but that's how it goes, man. I say it all the time. Me and my mom will be watching something, or I'll be watching something with somebody and just say the same thing. I'll be like, listen, I can accept the fact that we're in space or we're doing this, but they just did that, and that's just not realistic at all. Yes! <laughs> so I totally get it. I mean, I get it. It's there's Sometimes it's just those little details. It's like, come on now. Like I always, I always used to reference it on, on Lost with Friends, and I... I'll reference it here. I'm a big Buffy fan. I've talked about that, especially on the podcast before because of Joss Whedon's involvement with the MCU at this point and, and what have you. And there was an episode of Buffy, a dream episode. They were all, you know, in this sort of dream world. And this man with cheese kept showing up. All right. all the, and, and, and Joss Whedon said on the commentary that, one of the questions he used to get the most out in public was what was the deal with the cheese man? And his thought was, if you're questioning me on something as silly as the cheese man, that means you understand everything else. And that's a good thing because there's a lot of complicated stuff going on. And like, whose dream are we in now? And what exactly does this mean? And why did he go from this room to that room and what have you? But so if you understand all of that and you're asking about the cheese man, that means we're on track with what we're doing. That's a great point. I remember the cheese guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yes, so the episode Snafu, um, which is a very lack... Well, yeah, I want to say lackluster title for, for such a, an important episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does. I mean, it, it's there's got it's got a lot going on to it, and a lot of stuff gets you know, brought to light and you get a lot of different things that happen here. Yes. So we get the, I love doing that to you, Paul. Like you, you're waiting for me to say something more. If I'm going to say something, I just kind of stop. <laughs> uh, oh God, I'm in a good mood. I love you guys. 
we get uh, Jarvis appearing with a forged confession because they've now captured Peggy. Of course, we found that at the end of the episode. They're trying to get information out of her to no avail, or so they think, because she's actually telling them everything that they really need to know, but don't want to believe it. Um, Jarvis shows up with a forged confession and then she starts to realize that this doctor, this hypnotist man, is is communicating via Morse code. And then she reveals the the real truth, which we discussed that before, where she gives over the the vial of Steve's blood and and what have you. Um, and again, as we said before, we could of course comment on the scene more, but fantastic scene. Um, you know, I'd rather people emotion. go see it, man. I don't want to tell you know. I want them to go see it. I want you to understand it, but go see it. Watch it. Show some love to the Agent Garner. <laughs> in the States, it's on uh, Disney Plus, in case you're curious at this point. Um, but uh, the the biggest, like I said, other than the, the fact that the hypnotist guy sort of took me out of it, I, I really liked um, the kind of closure of the, of the arc of Dooley by the end. He, uh, uh, he's, I, I won't give too much away Ellsworth. All I'll say is this, he sacrifices himself, but he, the last person that he speaks to is Peggy yeah. saying to bring down the guy who did this to him. This, if you know, if you watch the episode, of course, you know what this is, the reason that he has to sacrifice himself. But I, I really liked that. The fact that even up until, you know, 20 minutes earlier in the episode, he was still not, believing Peggy he was not on board with anything she had to say. He was willing to give her and Sousa's gut really the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but he still, you know, didn't want to believe her. Um, but then she was the last person that he spoke to, you know, and, and basically wants her to, to bring justice to the situation. Yeah, I thought this episode did a really, really great job of, you know, helping us get to know his character more in terms of his family and everything. And I actually felt really bad at the end, you know, that he didn't get to, you know, spend that dinner with his wife and his children. And, you know, I thought they did a beautiful job with, um, you know, the fake um, memory scenarios and everything. I thought they were beautifully done and it really made you feel for him at the end, you know, that he didn't get that opportunity to, to do the one thing he wanted to do. To me, I'm going to speak before Ellsworth does <laughs> to me, that's the sign. And I've, I've talked about what I think is good TV writing before, uh, or good writing in general, doesn't have to be TV writing, but I think that's the sign of, of good writing is that even something just as simple as the scene this, like you said, fake memory or what have you with him, with his family, and then just the emotion played from the actor in those those final moments of that character. Because like I said, er, you know, just earlier within this, you know, hour, well, 40 something minutes without commercial uh, episode, we still didn't like this guy. We still were like, come on, Dooley. Why don't you believe, you know, in our, in our heads and in our hearts, we're there going, come on, man. Why don't you believe Peggy? Like she's shown you nothing but 
the truth time and time again. She, you know, she's the good guy. And, and you know what I mean? Like in our head, like we're pounding our fists on the table and, and, you know, come on, Dooley, come on, Dooley. And then just between those two scenes, arguably between those two scenes. And I mean, you might, you know, say pepper in the fact that, that the guy did hypnotize him, you know, a little bit in this episode and in the past and what have you. But really it was those two scenes that sort of, sort of show you him and, and who he is at his core. He's a, he's the family man, right? Like that's all he wants is to, to be, you know, he wants to, to be with his son while his son's making the birdhouse and, and, uh, you know, cook the, the, the one particular thing for, you know, dinner and, and spend time with his wife and whatever. And that, that's all he wants. That's who he wants to be. And we see, you know, sort of him at his core, his most vulnerable when he's with his family. And then the scene where he's, you know, saying to, to Peggy, Hey, bring this man to justice. And with j- arguably just those two scenes, like you said, Lisa, it, you get sympathy for that character and it changes arguably everything you, you thought you knew and you thought you felt about that character. And I, I always applaud great writing like that, that can take you on such a roller coaster within just an episode or a, a, a book chapter or a film or what have you that, you know, mere moments ago, we hated this guy. And then we see these two scenes where he's, like I said, his most vulnerable and boom, we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is it for this character. Like I, you know, I, I, I want to see justice happen even more so now, because how could we lose this, this guy? Well, I think also, you know, two, just two things. Sorry, Ellsworth, I'll let you talk after this. Um, one, I love the actor. I think he was actually in Boardwalk Empire, and I really enjoyed his acting in that as well. Uh, really good actor. But also, um, that crap, what was I going to say? Oh, um, I like how they don't figure it out. Because a lot of times, I feel like in TV shows or movies, they're like, oh my god, this this crazy thing happened. And like, and the audience is like, they'll never figure it out. And then like the last second, you know, as the bomb's about to tick down to one second, some by some miracle, they figure out how to disarm it, right? Or they'll randomly cut the blue wire and all close their eyes and hope that it's the right one. <laughs> right, and I hate that cliche, right? Because, you know, obviously it happens in every single movie, so you anticipate it. And so I liked here that they didn't cop out and do that. Like, I was genuinely surprised. Again, I, I, my memory is so horrible, I didn't remember. But I was genuinely surprised when he, he sacrificed himself. I was like, oh, shit, they didn't, you know, they didn't figure it out. Oh, oh, is it my turn now? Oh, I get to play, I get, I get to talk. Is that what this is? <laughs> Yo, first side note, um, you know, me and Kevin, we went to school with the chick, her dad, uh, Boardwalk Empire, the book. Oh. Yeah, Nelson Johnson, he wrote the book that the show's based off of. Oh, wow. That's why in the first two episodes, you see the side for Hamilton, and they stop in Hamilton, New Jersey. That's where we're from. And that's where it's from. And his, we, yeah, we went to school with his daughter Emily. That's awesome. Friend, yeah, she's a friend of ours. So, shout out to the whole Johnson family. What up? Anyways, so this, uh, yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. The writing that they did for this character and the way they do it is amazing. And I agree, they didn't do the cop out which you would have usually expected. 
like, oh shit, they're gonna, you, oh, they're gonna, it's gonna be her that figures it out. She's right. gonna be the one who does it, and they're all gonna respect her or some shit. Nah, it's the, hey, yo, get, get that motherfucker for me. I'm out. Peace. I respect that. I like it. Let's yeah, do it. it was really a shock. Like, it was not what I was expecting at all because we're so conditioned to be like, oh, well, someone's gonna fix it. Like, there's no way this bad thing will happen. Yeah, it's more realistic the way they did it, and I like it. Somebody dies. And I think that was needed, right, to, to sort of set up the the final showdown, I guess, in a way, right? Like, Because you always have to lose somebody, somebody big, somebody really important. And they already they lost Coulson. the guy. What's that? Or Coulson. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a per, that's actually a perfect point. Like that was sort of the, the thing, like in the Avengers, they needed, you know, the, the, the Coulson dies at the hands of, of Loki. And that's the thing that sort of rallies them all together of, okay, we need to get down to business and defeat this big bad. And, and I'm not saying that they, cause they were obviously already, you know, all on board with this anyway, but a lot of times in, in things you, you need that where somebody sort of dies, right? Because not everybody can make it to the end, right? Like we, you know, right. uh-huh. stories forever have told us that. So, you know, you, you, somebody needs to make that big sacrifice or, or, or unexpected death or whatever right before the end to, to make the final showdown mean just that little bit more. I mean, yeah, I mean, and no, how, no matter how it's, it's funny that you say that because now that, now that you're saying it, it's like, how, how did we not see it coming? How did we not see something like this coming to set us up for this? Um, which gives you, you know, again, good writing that they kind of threw it out of no, you know, out of left field. And then at the same time, they gave us what we needed because like you said, we kind of need this. And no matter how many times you see it, you, you still need that to get to that next final showdown. You need that fuel for the fire. Well, yeah, it's one of those things like, so Lisa said that they subverted the expectation with regards to not you know, solving the, the issue, you know, diffusing the situation, if you will. Ha ha ha. Um, (laughs) so, but in the, in the sort of the grander scheme, they did give the, that sort of trope, the, the tried and true, um, you know, sacrifice or, or big, big death right before the, the final showdown. So it's interesting, like just talking it out and thinking about it now, how on one hand they didn't do one, like they subverted one thing, but sort of gave us another, another trope. Right. Um, did we have anything else? I mean, there was the final scene, right? The final like little bit of the, the cinema, um, where the the gas goes off, the item seventeen, um, and that's everybody in the cinema. Big, that's big. That's huge, homie. Yeah. I don't really have much to say on it, though. Personally, I don't have much. To I, say. I mean, it's. I, I mean, okay, you just said it. It happened. It reminds released... me of um, 
again, my memory, horrible. Forgot that happens. Um, but it reminds me of um, Kingsman. And I wonder if Kingsman... I was going to say the same when they're in the church. Yeah. Well, the whole concept of the first movie, right? Where they're, like, trying yeah. to basically get people to, like, destroy one another. And I wonder... I mean, I've, I've never read the Kingsman comics. But I wonder if the show or the movie or whatever took like that idea from each other does that make sense right like if one borrowed the kind of the concept like you know right. changed it up like let's make it a gas not a, a signal or let's make yeah no i got you right right like I, I i'd be curious to see if um if that's the case because you know obviously it's very similar it's, um it's know, exactly thing. what i thought of too when I watched, rewatched the scene, I was like, oh shit, that reminds me of Kingston. I've never seen nor read it, so I have oh no Oh my god. Kingsman is just side fact. The church scene, I think, is one of the, is one of the, if not the best action movie scene of oh, yeah. the century. So, yeah. It's done, it, well, it's so done well. so well. It's cinematically just done beautifully. It's like it's, a dance. It is. It literally is a dance. It's unbelievable. Of brutality. <laughs> Sorry. It is a dance of brutality. Like just the way you no, said that. No, but that's the perfect like example of it. Like it's it's just so. It really truly is. I think the best action scene. In it is a dance of brutality. <laughs> so fucking good. It's a great movie. It's just a really really great movie. And Tyrant. Sorry, that's all. I- it's because they did a second one. That's how I met um, Mr. Um, Channing and uh, Pedro fucking you Pascal. Yeah, they uh, uh, rented out the back of the bar bowling alley I was working at oh, wow. uh, that's in so San cool. Diego during Comic-Con. And... Uh, Everybody in the building wanted to go back there because it was a closed-off event and it was all females, and I was the only male working. And because I didn't ask and I didn't want to go back there, that I was asked would I like tend to them? Would I go back there when something was needed for back was there? Taryn they... there? Who? Taryn? Taryn Egerton? Egerton? No, it was just no, it was just them two. Uh, I think I think Channon had rented out because his dad was there. It was like a small group of like it was some girls from the network because they were the ones talking to the girl who ran the events department. And then it was like him, a girl, his dad, Pedro showed up, and somebody else, uh, like older, and that was about it. Like, wow, fun fact. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, <laughs> on to on to back to Marvels and uh, yeah, so that's it. The end of the is pretty cool. That's how we wrap it up. But I mean, that's a good that's a good layup for you know the next what opens us up into the next episode. The next episode, of course, being Valediction. Um, I have notes for this one because oh, please go ahead. Uh, I mean, not not until, like, the end. So you, you go first. 
I mean, I don't really have, again, I don't really have much because, uh, you know, sort of like Ellsworth said, it's, it's, you kind of have to see it and experience it more than just us talking about it. And I mean, that's kind of what we've been doing like all this whole time, right? Is we're, we're not no. really giving. Yeah, no, I mean, but if she's got notes and, you know, we want to dive in a little bit. I mean, I get it. We, we, uh, cause you know, we talked a little bit about it. It's a good, it's a good episode. It, you know, we get to see the aftermath and carnage of, uh, um, what, what transpired at the, the cinema, um, Right, we have we learned what happened at the Battle of Finale, which was obviously a really good payoff. Because, you know, the whole time it's kind of like, why do they keep bringing this up? Like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And yeah. Then once you find out, you're like, oh, okay, that makes way more sense. We get a name for the, you know, the actual gas, um, you know, all around. It's, you know, it starts off with the nice beat to it as far as the episode goes mm-hmm. we also get the return oh. of howard yeah so my my notes are basically on the last like 10 minutes so that's why i didn't want to like jump there yet uh, okay no i got you okay well then when we start i mean you know what i thought was kind of cool too is you know uh we get one of our not so strong characters gets exposed to the gas um and that you know i i that gives us i guess i guess we do that so we can get set up for another scene set us up with this the carter and sosa like scenes together we kind of you know because there's something there you know the scenes with them give us this little bit of you know, intimacy and also some tension that, you know, is always nice. Yeah, I remember when the show was and like, everyone was kind of freaking out, like, oh, my God, is this Peggy's husband? Is this the person that she has children with? You know, and everyone was, you know, so set that it was going to be so I can never say his name. Sousa. And um like, everyone was so excited that they, like, knew who it was. And then, I mean, as we know, the show was just, like, just kidding. Because season two was completely different. But, um, but yeah, I think that scene really catered to, you know, all the uh, gossiping and, you know, predictions that people had about Peggy moving forward. Yeah, and then, you know, it, uh, again, like I said, they... You know, he always seems to want to back her. So it allowed, you know, and it allowed him to kind of give a little bit, it, you know, description of what actually is going on when the gas, you know, what the people, you know, it's not just, you know, like he, he I believe he said something about he w- always wants to kill Thompson. He just wanted to kill him more than usual yeah. or something. He made that line. Um, so it gives us the insight. It gives us that. Well, it gives us the insight at that, like, you know, what the what the, the gas is doing. We knew that it gave him the aggression, but now we get like a, a a first person insight from someone that we've already been again on a journey with. So we have some connection too. So we kind of feel for them in this moment when they're explaining what's going on. Well, now correct me and if I'm wrong. It, it adds to, I... it adds to, it adds to that character again. You know, who has been a weak character, 
um, you know, and turned psycho all of a sudden. And now, you know, here he is, you know, a little lost, you know, broken puppy dog chained to a bed, you know, it's, I don't know. It just, it it gave you something for the scene. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think, I don't remember it being referenced in the episode, but like, we know that the super soldier serum that Steve, that's given to, to Steve Rogers. And then in the incredible Hulk film, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, the, the, the guy, what? Oh my God. Bruce Banner. No, yeah, he gets it, but the other guy gets it too. Oh, um, the general Tim Roth's character. Yeah, General. I can't remember his name right now. Um, general he... Ross. No, no, not him. The guy who becomes Abomination. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. the name. Yeah. But like, but they talk about, and I think, and they've talked about it in in some of the other Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff as well. The fact that. What that does, and I believe we've even talked about it, you know, covering season one here. What that does is it enhances what you already have, right? So, like, Steve was, like, a nice guy. And we talked about it, you know, the fact that he he dove on the bomb for everybody, you know. And, and it just enhanced the fact that he has, like, that respect and, and the camaraderie and all of that. And so it's interesting that this this gas does something similar in the fact that it all, you know, Sousa always wants to to hurt uh, Jack, but now it just sort of enhances that. Well, I wanted to point out, too, has everyone here seen the um, scene Falcon and Winter Soldier? Nope. No, no. I still haven't watched WandaVision yet. Okay, so so I won't spoil anything, but what I will say is that a lot of what happens in this last episode of Agent Carter is very connected to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I'm curious if they did that on purpose or it just happens to be a coincidence. But for me, watching this episode, having been watching falcon and winter soldier i think at this point i had only not seen the finale that that because i watched these episodes a couple days ago and the episode was much more moving to me because of this connection um and what happens in that newer series you know it, it makes everything in the episode more emotional and more impactful and i wish i could talk about it but you'll know what i'm talking about when you finally watch it probably a year from now so um yeah no but i mean like you know you get that you get a little bit of the explanation here of what's going on because stark kind of tells them about the side effects of the you know what it's actually doing too so you get we get a little bit more detail of what it actually does to a person when uh and why, you know, this guy's after him and this and the third. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I will say that I like that they use um, Stark in this 
episode more. Like they brought him back and really, they didn't just give us the cameo. They actually utilize him. Um, it kind of brings it full circle, you know, back from the beginning when he was, you know, more involved in the plot and the series and what was going on. And now we get him here in the end so, again. So we. So get- now I. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, let me know when you want me to jump into my notes, because most of my stuff is about Howard. I just I I just wanted to quickly ask, and I think we may have covered this um, at the beginning of this season. And and now I kind of want to bring it full circle back at the end. What do we think about the fact that he wasn't there in in as a topic you know, for like the characters to discuss, he was there the entire time, right? Like he was constantly, oh, the next thing we're going to, we're, we're going to get him. We're going to get him today. We're going to get him today. We got to get him. We got to get him. We got to get him. He was always sort of the, the focal point for, for the SSR. But what do we think sort of looking at it now, you know, the season is, is done or, you know, wrapping up, I guess, cause we still have a few more things to discuss, but basically, you know, the season's done. And what do we think about the fact that he wasn't there the whole time? Do we like the fact that he was sort of in and out of the show or would we, do you think the story might've been, might've served better had he been there the entire time? I mean, this is Peggy's show. And I feel like if Howard was there the whole time, it would have taken away from it being Peggy's show, if that makes sense. I I have to say, I don't quite know what you mean, because Jarvis was there the whole time, and I don't think it ever felt like the Jarvis show. I feel that's like true. Howard has a presence about him, though. I mean, maybe that's just me, because I really yeah. love Dominic Cooper. Um, but I feel like Howard No, 100%. He would have... You're right. He would have stole the scenes. He would have stole, you know, he would have stolen the scenes in his own way. Like whenever Howard gets on, you know, is in a scene, I get excited because, like I said, I love Dominic Cooper. Ah, but is that an absence makes the heart grow fonder thing? You know, he's not there all the time. Therefore, when he's there, oh, it's a big deal because Howard's there. I think so. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think with the event. So then had he been there the whole time, he may not have you may not have felt that way. Not, not for me. I don't know. For, I mean, for me, like, it's the it's the character itself and the like how he how he's portrayed. I just love the actor. I love Dominic, but um, I, I think it was more impactful when he shows up in the finale that he hadn't been there for a couple episodes because, you know, with what happened with um, the chief and then what happened in the theater, you almost forget about Howard Stark for a second because there's all this death and tragedy going on and then all of a sudden he pops up and you're like oh shit yeah like where's he been um so I think it was effective in that it made the finale that much more impactful because you know he shows up which you know is like you know this is a big deal fair enough I just like I said I know that that there were and I mean maybe it's the whole universe thing like we talked about before like oh why i mean yeah okay peggy but howard is the father of tony we want i'm not saying a lot of people wanted more or didn't want more of him but i i I feel like there were some people who if he had been there maybe they would you know might have paid attention to it more or what have you but the, the series paid attention to the series more but um i i definitely think it's better to have 
a good, a great character part time than a good character full time. Right. And, you know, they could have utilized him in the movies, but they had to use that old dude, whatever. So, because we all oh, I know. Agree. We've, we've talked about that, and I definitely agree. And I was proven wrong, even, on the fact that the actor was available, but wasn't asked. Yeah, he didn't even know what the hell was going on. He didn't even know Howard was in the movie. Horrible. But, are we ready for my notes? Well, I'm curious as hell to see hear what you got. I mean, what absolutely. You... Well, now I've like hyped it up. It might not be that good, but um, a couple of things that I just absolutely loved about those last, you know, ten or fifteen minutes when we're kind of wrapping everything up. Um, the first is that we find out that Howard Stark's greatest shame, and he's done a lot of, you know crappy stuff up until this point we know of the battle of now we know of you know the countless women that he's clearly disappointed um you know we know about a lot of these things but his greatest shame was that he couldn't save steve and that is just so telling of just the respect and the camaraderie and, and i mean i just i just thought that was a beautiful thing you know like it like everything comes back to, to Steve. And I just thought that was a really beautiful kind of, I don't want to well, say closure, but it was a nice cycle, you know, to see that. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, and he delivered it great. But I mean, again, like you said, it comes back to Steve. It comes back to, we need to tie Agent Carter back to <clears throat> Captain America in some form or fashion. And he was part of that, like, um, and, and again, as much as they want to deny this being part of that universe, that is, once again, this being tied into that universe. Right. And I feel like, you know, Howard takes responsibility for not being able to save him. But then we also see the parallel at the same time that Peggy takes responsibility for, for not being able to do something. And so both of them are sharing this guilt this weight, and this yep. shame. Yeah, of, of losing this person that was so special to them in different ways. And, you know, we see that manifest, obviously, again, in, in different ways, right? Stark kind of, um, I mean, they both internalize it. I think they really need to, like, have some sit-down therapy to talk about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, just oh, the Therapy parallel, would benefit, benefit both of them greatly. 100% to talk about their feelings regarding this. But, um the parallel of Peggy, you know, talking to Steve while he's driving the plane into the ice, and then Peggy talking to Howard when he's also in the plane. I loved that parallel because obviously, in the first time, she's not, not able to do it. And I think the fact that she was able to save Howard at the end is is somewhat of closure for her, you know, that that she was able to do that. It's almost like saving him was like her do over. If that makes sense. That's 100% what I, I mean, that's, you know, you get that feel of, okay, she, you know, it's not necessarily the do over, but she didn't fail again. Right. You know, she got that small victory and then, or, you know, big victory. And then, you know, she, you know, but that it took that, I mean, let's be honest, it takes that for her to get, the respect that 
she, you know, she always deserved. Right. And then I have one last thing, but Paul, did you want to say anything? I, uh, you're going to hate me because I'm going to, I have two, two things to sort of crap on your note. Oh man. Okay. (laughs) So one, Howard Stark, not a good father. Right. Like we've seen that in the movies, like Tony for various reasons, hates him, you know, ultimately grew up to be just like him, whether good or for for good or for ill. Every man building a business is never the father that. Okay. They want to be. No, you're right. So it just, but so for, for Howard to say his biggest failure is, the Steve Rogers thing and his not the fact that he failed his son. His son wasn't born yet. Yeah. At this point in his life, that is his biggest failure. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. Yeah. His son did. Okay. His and son he never gets the opportunity and he never gets the opportunity to say that he failed his son because up until the day he died, he probably didn't feel yet. Like he, maybe he, he hadn't failed him yet. Okay. I'll give you that one. Yeah, he, I, I retract that one. I think okay. I think with the timeline in Endgame, he should be born in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. Point number two. Moments ago, Lisa specifically said when I said about bringing Howard Stark back, and she said, "This is Peggy's show." I completely agree with that statement. Why then? I understand what, and I know the reasons you're going to say, but why then does everything continue to have to come back to Captain America when it's Peggy's show? I think actually, I like that you asked me that question. I feel like it's actually, I know you haven't seen WandaVision. You make it really difficult to talk about this, (coughs) but Um, without saying spoilers you know WandaVision is about Wanda's grief process and so there's a lot of people involved in that grief process and I think Agent Carter it's actually it's more subtle it's not screaming you know this is Peggy dealing with her grief like WandaVision is but it's subtly saying you know that this whole this whole season Right, she's mourning and she's grieving, and it's making up a lot of who she is and why she's choosing to do the things that she's doing. And so, I understand that he's kind of the the backbone or, or the you know, what what really drives her to want to be a better person, to want to do the right thing. Um, so I really think it's about her grief process with with Steve. And I never really thought about it like that until just now. And I think the writers just wanted to connect it to the MCU. <laughs> no, see, that I think, I'm not saying, Lisa, I'm not taking anything away because well, I Lisa think that is a fantastic point. One of the best answers I've ever heard for a question. <laughs> that shit was like layered so beautifully. And I'm like, that shit makes sense. It like, does make sense. So I don't sense. think the writers right. thought well, about writers it that way, like, though. Let's tie it to the MCU. That's what I was going to say is I don't think the writers thought about it as deeply as Lisa did, which is why I give Lisa many kudos, but I think it's more Ellsworth's answer. But like I said, I just, it kind of like, I, it's, it's Peggy's show. It's now, and even, even agents of shield, right. Which I've referenced a few times. It's not 
Agent Coulson. It's not Agent May. It's not Agent Sky. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This show, however, is Agent Carter. It's not Tales of the SSR or something like that. It's Agent Carter. So it makes sense. Jarvis, not the main guy. Howard Stark, not the main guy. Sousa, not the main guy. Carter, Peggy Carter, is the main girl, the main woman, the main character, whatever we you know word we want to use. So her grief process absolutely makes sense. Like I said, I just it kind of bugs me that over and over and over again, even so much as Howard comes back and there's this big revelation and and all of this emotion and whatever, and a good portion of it, not the entirety, but a good portion of it once again has to do with Captain America and not so much Peggy herself. Yeah, but Peggy herself is being driven by, you know, like Lisa said, I mean, that's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that was the love of her life. Like, as brief as oh, it was, I'm, I'm, not, I mean, I, I'm, that's, I'm not taking that's what that. it was. No, you're, you're right. Like I said, and I agree. And that's why I, so I'll agree it, with the whole, the see, the season is Peggy's grieving process. It's her and obviously why. a lot of things are going to come her. Why? So we're going to come back to her. Why over and over again, and it helps to tie it into the MCU. And if you look at it as the grief process, you know, like I was saying that closure with being able to save Howard, who is, almost in a similar similar situation as Steve where like the plane was gonna you know whatever was gonna happen Howard was gonna get shot down and Steve went into the ice I think it's that closure for the grief process you know to, to relive that moment but this time be able to do it successfully um yeah I think it just adds to that and also um you know it's not just the loss of steve it's the loss and i think we talked about this in the first episode or the second episode it's also the loss of her role right like she had this rank she had this respect from her fellow co-workers when she was in the war right her fellow soldiers and she loses everything and you know she has to return to this quote-unquote normal life that she's never lived and all of a sudden you know her society is different that people aren't respecting her she's not able to do the work that she loved to do and i think this entire season you know shows her kind of overcoming that and really you know kind of ending her grief process again for the record i'm i'm totally on board with all of that like i said my issue was more with the the howard aspect of right the captain america part more than her because it would make sense for her to continue to grieve and for so many things, you know, and I'm not saying that this, but like something as, as little as this song on the radio could bring up emotions or, you know, like we heard that we saw the thing over and over again with the, the audio, the radio play of right. Betty Carver. And you know what I mean? <laughs> all of that, bring, all of that brings up emotion in her because everything reminds her in some way, some shape, some form, even if it's just at the end of the day, oh man, I had this, this, you know, I, I, I cracked this amazing case or I got one step further and the one person that I want to share all of that information. You don't get with, to, you know, correct. And trust me. I'm not going into anything personal. I completely trust me. I completely right. understand. Anybody, any one that. of us is any one of us who 
had that kind of relationship do. 100%. Yes. But all I all like I said all I was getting to was the Howard part if this isn't and obviously you know other characters are going to have big moments in shows that aren't centered around them because again I said Agents of Shield it is Coulson's show for all intents and purposes the other characters meet unless you ask Ellsworth in which case it's it's Chloe Bennett's show um but all of the Fuck other yeah, characters <laughs> All of the other characters mean something and they have these fantastic arcs, but in any ensemble show, you, you have your main character right? nine times out of 10 in this show. It's, it's like a Seinfeld, right? Like Seinfeld was Jerry Seinfeld and his friends versus friends, which was all six are equal in right. a way. This is Seinfeld. This is Peggy and her co-workers, roommates, you know, so on and so forth. So it makes sense that a character like Howard, who is a secondary or third string character because he's not there all the time or whatever, it makes sense he would have this huge revelation and whatnot. Like I said, it just kind of bugged me a little bit that... Once again, it all comes back to Steve. And I like Steve. I'm not trying to take, I'm not trying right, to like, right. you know, sully the name of, of Captain America, Steve Rogers or anything. I'm just saying, it's just like, if it's Peggy's show, why does everything for everybody, ha- it makes sense if everything for her comes back to him, well, but everything for everybody doesn't necessarily have to come back to him. Let me ask you this then, Paul. Do you think that's why they ended it the way they ended it then? With the her saving him thing? No, because that's not how the that's not how that episode ends. Well, you said it. So what? <laughs> There's more to that episode. I understand, but you said is how it ends. Yeah, the episode it ends. Like, like with the ending of that episode, the way it goes, I feel like do you do you think that's their way of kind of cutting her away from Captain America. Again, I'm not I'm not arguing her space with Captain America. You're arguing Howard's. Yes. Right. Um I mean Well, I mean no. it was his it was his I mean he was partly responsible for if not all responsible for Captain America. So Well, I like how they say like Captain America is the greatest I think he was saying Captain America's his greatest accomplishment or achievement and um oh, another another analogy that just pops in my mind. Um so Howard says, you know, Captain America's his greatest success, achievement, blah blah blah. It's almost like with Titanic, where like that was like the most amazing accomplishment feat of, of that time period. And it freaking crashed into an iceberg and sank. And like I can't imagine the well the the creator didn't live but to see your greatest accomplishment or achievement succumb to something like that i can't imagine how that would that would affect him i mean all the hard work and all the the everything that he had to do to make that serum to find the person i mean you 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 come up with this perfect 
scenario of variables and then you lose it. Am I reaching here? No, you're right. I agree. And then she threw the only last bit of it away. <laughs> right. Well, again, I think that's, you know, like, I, like I've been saying, you know, th- with the grief process, I think that's the letting go part. Like, once yeah. she has the acceptance, that letting go is so important. And, um, and you'll, again, you'll know when, when you watch the, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, but you understand why that last scene is so fucking frustrating and upsetting. Um, but, you know, it's... I thought it was a beautiful way to kind of end her process and to say, you know, he's still there, he still obviously is in her heart and, and influences a lot of her decisions, but maybe now she's gonna, you know, take more control of her own life without him. Fair enough. Which I think we see, you know, not to give too much, but I think we see a little bit of that in season two. Right. And just one last thing I want to say, which is funny, is that, um, and I know you're not going to like this, Paul, because I'm referring back to Steve, but (laughs) I like that, I like that in the end, Steve ends up saving everybody, even though he's gone. He still ends up saving everyone because the only reason Howard comes out of the trance is by Peggy talking about Steve. So Steve technically ends up saving everyone once again, even though he's not around anymore. And I find that really interesting. See, and then I could reach and do a whole thing about how it wasn't, it wasn't, girl power for her to use a man to have to blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do that, but you know, (laughs) well, I think it's about, I I think it's his lasting, you know, it's about the symbol. And again, I know I was mostly kidding. I'm not going to lie. No, I know. But that, but that's also something, you know, that comes up in again, the Falcon and the winter soldier is like this symbol of captain America and what he stands for and his ideals. And I think like, that's a great example, you know, a great metaphor of how, you know, his, that symbol, it, you know, goes on after death. It it, it continues, and it, it's something that people look up to. And I just found that a really interesting way of looking at it. Or not. I I don't have a reference point. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I get it. The concept of you know Captain America is. I mean, because they they use that not only throughout this whole series, but um, they use it even in agents of shield and things like that. You know, the, the, they use shield itself and captain America in that same way of we're up for all of these, the things that are good, even if the ones who are in charge of us are not good sort of thing, you know, like I, I, I get that. Um, I yeah. very quickly. <laughs> Did you fall asleep just, there, Ellsworth? No, I was just listening to you guys talk. Sometimes I just like to listen to you talk. I really, honestly, I didn't really have much. I mean, we got towards the end of the episode. She let go. I get it. I did uh, want to ask, and I mean, obviously, it makes sort of sense because you can't 
wrap everything up in a nice bow, and especially if if there's the potential for a season two, which of course we know season two did happen, um, but you know if there's the potential for a season two, you gotta have whatever. What did we think about the fact that uh, Dottie Underwood got away? Just kind of made sense, right? Yeah, but it was kind of annoying because she was like bleeding profusely from her head. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, if she was bleeding from somewhere else, like she had some like significant head trauma there. I mean, yeah, and I mean they set off. I mean, and they set up. You know, they were trying to set up the uh, the little stuff there at the end with um, the two guys being in prison together. Oh yeah, that was yes. great. How do you say his name? Fenhoff? That's what I, yeah. Fenhoff? Fenhoff and Zola? My question is, like, which, like, person in the prison thought that was a good idea? Like, two people who have been wronged by people, you know, uh, connected to Captain America. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Well, if we we go with the the storyline that we see play out in the Captain America film that the three of us discussed winter soldier. And then the season end of season one into the beginning of, of season two of agents of shield. It might make sense that somebody would have done that. Right. Well, they had to have done it purposely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, somebody, you know, somebody whispered something to somebody else and, and, you know, things were off from there. Perhaps. Well, well I mean, yeah. I mean, cause like they said, this is, I mean that again. This is having another tie-in to the MCU, as much as they, whatever, you know. This guy is later part of the Winter Soldier program, or was you know. This is where we get some of the brainwashing from. Maybe, quite possibly. You know what I mean? This is it's it's a good tie-in. It was a nice setup. You know, right, yes, it, again, learn, like it, maybe the Russian guy helped him with all that brainwashing stuff since he was so good at hypnosis. That's actually so. Wikipedia flat out says there's a section for this one: Marvel Cinematic Universe tie-ins. The episode explores the origins of the Hydra-led Winter Soldier program and brainwashing from Captain America the Winter Soldier and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as seen by the end tag when Zola approaches Faustus about mind control. So we're all pretty much as smart as Wikipedia. See? Yeah. Hey, right. Well, as much as I don't necessarily want it to be over, it looks like we are at the end of... I, I think we had a great discussion tonight, guys. I mean, it, all in all, I think we had a really good discussion. And I feel like we, I feel like we covered a bunch of good topics. Lisa brought some great notes. Paul Thank brought you. what he always brings, which is that charm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just did what I do. I agree with that assessment. It's not often I get called charming. Thank you. <laughs> I'm always here to, to boost your ego, Paul. That's what that's what good friends are for. <sighs> well, now see, now I don't want it to end. Um, no. 
Um, but no, we are uh, we are at There's the end. There's nothing of... like a happy ending, though, Paul. <laughs> I don't go to those kind of places. Um, we are at the end of season one of Agent Carter. Uh, I do want to thank the both of you for being on and and going through these eight episodes for podcast, but eight episodes with me. Um, it was fantastic to have the real life Peggy Carter and the Ellsworth Hamilton Tallman uh, join me uh, in this deep dive into Agent Carter. Uh, what do we think? Um, do we have like any final notes on season one of Agent Carter? Because again, over not just this episode, but over the course of this season, we have discussed an awful lot. And I don't really know the next time the three of us will be together on a particular MCU recording unless we could maybe get Lisa to do uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season or a film or, or something like that in the future. Um, are, we not do doing, we have... are we not doing Agent Carter season two? We well the podcast I was I didn't know if we wanted to all be back for season two or if we if like how that exactly was going to go. Yeah, well, listen, I don't mind helping out, whatever you know you want us for. I mean, I have no objections and whatever. Well, everybody will have to let us know. All the clock holes out there will have to let us know. Um, that my friend Zach gave that as the name, and I'm just clock it holes. It makes... I yeah. love it. Oh, <laughs> he gave that as the name once, and better let us know. <laughs> and I loved it so much, so I'm sticking with it. Wait, um, first of all, clock suckers would have been a way better name. Oh, we need clock suckers and clock holes around the world to come together and let <laughs> us know what you think. Should the three of us be back, so all the clock holes and all the clock suckers, let's go. Clock sucker makes way more sense. <laughs> I love well, it. <laughs> I'm just, oh, I'm not laughing as much as last night, but I, that was a very good laugh. Thank you. I can't. Um, I can't. My cheeks hurt. Just laughing right now, my cheeks hurt from yesterday. <laughs> That's how. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't, for, I don't, for never, anybody out there, you're going to want to listen. Again. I'll never to... need to cry ever again. I cried hysterically laughing so much yesterday. It's not even <laughs> funny. It's, it's, I can't, off, I can't wait to listen. I Mike, Lisa, we will tell you what happened. Uh, for anybody else out there, you'll have to go and uh, listen to those Paul and all episodes when they are out. And trust me, we will be promoting the hell out of them. Um, but for now, if if anybody, unless we have any other final notes on season one of Agent Carter, um, if you if they want to reach you two across the internet, where can they get in touch with you both? So they can find me at Bevela Deadly on Twitter. And as always, I am the magician, T H E M A J I I S H N, and that's at Twitter. Ells were certified over IG. Come holler at me. Let's go. Paul, sign us out. As always, I am JPGRB on Twitter and Instagram. My secondary Instagram is JPCS.PICS. It's a picture every day and a little fun caption or a journal entry or what have you. 
you can find more about all of us uh, at Clock Shelves on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You probably got this episode and many others early and uninterrupted over patreon.com slash clock shelves. And the link for everything is over at clockshelves.com. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S dot C-O-M. That wraps us up for season one of Agent Carter. For Lisa and Ellsworth, I have been Paul Casey, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening, true believers.